Welcome back to Not Alone, a podcast about faith and wellness. We're so glad you're listening. This week, Michael, Evan, and Lindsay reunite to discuss traditions. What is the importance of ritual and remembrance in our lives? What are the good things we can take away from traditions? And when do we know when it's time to change traditions or even leave them behind? Here to discuss this are Michael McCord, Evan DeYoung, and Lindsay Geist. Oh, hello, everyone, and welcome back with the gangs all back together for a beautiful episode of the Not Alone podcast. I'm Evan DeYoung, and I'm here with Lindsay Geist and Michael McCord. Say hey to the peoples. Hey, everybody. It feels so good to be back together. Welcome back, Lindsay. And I'm glad to be recording from my home and not in the car. That was kind of weird and fun all at the same time. Yeah, both wonderful that you can do that, hurdle down the interstate and record a podcast on the phone at the same time. <laughs> Amazing how far we've come with technology. Uh, also, not as good. Not as good as your nice little office there. And I can hear you much better. That's good, yeah. Yeah, that was a little... Sorry about that, guys. We It's a busy fall. I know all of you... I've, I've talked to lots of people lately that fall has just been extraordinarily busy this year and... We find ourselves, it's so busy that we find ourselves, it's almost time for the holidays, and that just doesn't even seem possible to me. Yeah, I'm not particularly excited about going up to my attic and pulling down all the Christmas decorations soon, but, you know, I have an attic that I can store them out of sight, out of mind, and then only have to go up there once or twice a year to do it, so. So, is your biggest concern getting up like the stairs to the attic or are you a total Scrooge and you don't believe that Christmas decorations should come out before Thanksgiving? You know, Oh, we know, we know Evan is a Scrooge. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a given. <laughs> Me? Oh goodness. Of all the people on this call, we know Evan is, is oh, the Scroogiest of Scrooges. No, oh my goodness. Maybe a little no. bit. No, it's just no. annoying to have to get boxes that barely fit down the entryway and then lower them. And it, you can't really do it by yourself safely. So I have to ask for help so that, you know, I don't love asking for help. So maybe that's the <laughs> core of it. But what I like Thanks. is you said once or twice a year. So sometimes you bring out the Christmas tree second time. Well, there's other. Is that a tradition in the? There's other seasonal decorations up there. Yeah. Well, that that does bring us to our topic. We are talking about traditions, and specifically around the holiday season, sure. But the nature of what they are and uh, how they are represented and important or not important in our lives, and sometimes how they can get in the way of what we really need to do here. So, Lindsay, Michael, let's let's talk about a few family traditions that we have that we like and kind of the ritual that it creates. And then we'll talk about traditions as a whole. And there's research on traditions. So we're going to get to talk about that, too. Um, so any, any okay. favorite family traditions? Can I just say, before we even get into talking about traditions... Am I the only person here that every time we say the word tradition, I just am singing the song from Fiddler on the Roof in my head over and over and over again from Tevia? Could you, tradition, could you tradition. That's I mean, so good. 
Did that not cross anybody else's mind? I cannot say the word tradition without imagining flashing back to my freshman year in high school and all of us on stage in the musical, all standing up and singing it together. I mean. That is so good. I've seen Fiddler (laughs) on the Roof once in person, and then I've seen it in a film format pieces of it a few times so no i don't really have the same respect or encyclopedic knowledge of i'm just glad you interjected some singing in this episode i think that should be a a rare (laughs) a regular that should be a new tradition on our shows well you guys messaged me that we were going to talk about family traditions that's the name of a restaurant in the town that i grew up so i was very confused i was like they want to talk about um meet in three place with some of the best fried okra in all of Woodstock, Georgia. <laughs> I'm telling you though, that that's, that might that's be a, a tradition. tradition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that so My, the first church I served as pastor, they that was every Sunday after church we went to the same meet and three, a place called Piccadilly. And uh <laughs> we would we would we would go every Sunday to get this big table of us and I love those days. Those were great. Those were great memories. Isn't it isn't it wild how many traditions we have formed? I mean, we we have all these family traditions around holidays, but we also form all of these other traditions, like the place that you went every Sunday after church. Um, it just there is something so comforting about traditions. Um, this year, my family is doing something a little bit different. And we haven't done the exactly the same thing every Thanksgiving um, for my whole life. Uh, but we have kind of several traditions or routines or things that we come to expect. This year, my sister is hosting Thanksgiving. Oh. And we're not going to my parents' house. And so um, it is, it's like blowing all of our minds that we, when you move it to a new location, do you do all the same food? Do you change it up a little bit? We're also not getting together um, all of our family on Thanksgiving Day. We're moving it to the day after. And oh. so, like, my mind oh. is just blown of, like, what's going to ha- what in the world? Um, which is just so funny because when you think about it, Thanksgiving traditions are usually, like, you eat certain food and you sit around the table with certain people. Um, and you take a nap. And then you take a nap. Oh, yeah. Um, and you watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, or at least, I mean, now it's no longer kind of a hidden secret, my love of musicals. Uh, or at least watch the beginning section that is all the top Broadway musicals. And then you just kind of let the parade play in the background. Um, but family traditions, its it's kind of sparked a conversation for us as a family of are there any traditions that when we move to a different location this year are important for us to continue or not? And we're still just exploring that. Um, And, and my brain immediately was like, okay, but what do I do if I don't put stuffing in the bird the way that I always done it? Right. (laughs) And it's funny that like Pepperidge farm bread and onion and butter and salt and pepper stuffed inside a bird uh, feels like a life or death decision to me. <laughs> I didn't know people actually still stuffed them. I just thought you 
because you know down here in georgia it's dressing and you just yeah, that's wrong. Yeah, what's this uh, we could have a whole stuff? debate about that <laughs> <laughs> so i mean traditions often come with food um around holidays and um it's just made me think lots about do we have any firm traditions or do we always kind of shift them a little bit and maybe the tradition is being together oh yeah i mean i think having expected ritual and tradition for me is important i love the way that it projects out what we're gonna do and kind of helps set expectations and i maybe i didn't like it as much when i was younger or didn't appreciate it as much but i have come to really just love good rituals and traditions when it comes to fun things or interesting things for example my wife's birthday is on christmas day uh, and so we go see whatever movie she wants to see every christmas day so that's something we can talk about we can plan we can buy tickets for it's an activity that everybody knows that we're gonna do uh, and so i i've really come to look forward to that now that's a new one to me from when i met my wife and we started dating and then started spending holidays together but we created that i mean that, that that's not something mm -hmm. that her family had done but i just said you know for us let's do this every year uh, and so it's a fun christmas time tradition i got to see into the woods one time with meryl street <laughs> and you guys are good musical right there and a kid five seats down from me threw up in the middle of it and i heard a wet splatter of puke <laughs> on the concrete Things then, I probably didn't need details about, Evan. And then how many times? To, yeah. How many Evan's tradition is to get throw up somehow into our episode. I, had to, I know. I had to smell <laughs> how it. How is that for the possible? How many times those stories have made it in? Oh. The, the family didn't realize that the kid had thrown up until like three minutes later. So this kid is just doubled over, like, uh, and then the grandma's like, oh, oh my goodness. It was your stories. Horrible. I, I'm really sad that, I mean, I missed a whole episode of being together with you and hearing your stories go off the rails like that. What's what happened? I'm so glad tradition. we're back together. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the wet splatter of what? that on the concrete in the middle of the movie and the smell of it was. Okay. Can we just a, move on? A theater-going experience I hope to never replicate. <laughs> oh, on that note, Michael, uh, any big Thanksgiving holiday traditions or, or other holidays that come to mind? Well, I was thinking about that. And really, probably the, the most, um, maybe us, uh, kind of tradition is that Emily's family is from Texas. So Christmas Eve, for me growing up, was like um you know because we were all really big into church music it was always a snack meal kind of thing and then we'd have some dessert and we got back from church from the last service and then and then and then go to sleep but emily's family is from texas and so christmas eve is all about mexican food and uh mm. so which is i, I i've come to love it because it's like so much of um you know that that window of thanksgiving and christmas is like heavy sweet like lots of like i don't know it's just it's just its own you don't eat that food really anywhere else in the whole year mm -hmm. which is kind of weird to think about right it's just a set of foods yeah. that you eat 
for about two months, and then not not again. I mean, I don't I don't think I ever eat dressing or stuffing or sweet potato casserole. None of that stuff happens anywhere else. Green bean casserole doesn't happen anywhere else. Um, <laughs> but but she loves Mexican, and so we had Mexican every every New Year's Eve yeah. or Christmas Eve. It's the cranberry in a jar for me. Like the fact that that's the best way to, thing to put on sandwiches. Let's just get let's get some like cranberry gelatin, and it just plops <laughs> out of this can. Then let's slice it up and put it that's on a platter right. with the markings of the can still there. Oh yeah, you gotta have it. It's like like it was stored in some kind of corrugated pipe all season, just waiting for you to <laughs> unleash it. So I'm thinking a little bit about. What we've been saying is both traditions that are really meaningful to us, and we've almost all mentioned shifting of traditions hmm. and creating new ones. Um, I I can't remember what year it was, but there was a year growing up when um, it my grandparents didn't come to Christmas, and so it was just going to be the four of us, my parents and my sister and myself. And that was a year that finally we were like, why we don't need to do quite some of the elaborate food stuff and we want to be spend more time together. So what can we do that we can all be together and participate in making of the food? And so that's when we started a tradition of making crab cakes together. And so everybody got a job of chopping something Um and being able to be part of the assembly line and we would crank up the Christmas music and all hang out and make all of this together. And now it's become our tradition to ha- continue to have crab cakes and um, all together work on cooking them together. And that was a tradition that we intentionally changed to um, for a different need that we had. And so it's just made me think a lot about I wonder when our traditions have changed based on when our family needs have changed. Yeah, a lot of those things shifted for us when we got married. Uh, mm-hmm. Because you spend pretty much every holiday with your family, typically for us. And so the alternating schedule and what we did and how we had to adapt it and move it and change it was... Interesting. It was fun. I mean, it was a nice shakeup. But then when your family is doing their tradition and you're somewhere else, right, how you feel incorporated in that, if there's a sense of loss, you know, or or, or longing to be there Mm -hmm. doing that, uh, it's an interesting thing. And it's one of those things that gets covered a lot in premarital counseling is holidays, family traditions, Mm -hmm. things like that, setting out those deep-seated expectations of what that's going to look like and making sure that you talk about it. I know that, Michael, you've done some premarital counseling, and Lindsay, you obviously certainly have She does real counseling. (laughs) (laughs) But as someone who hasn't done that and has just... I don't know where he was going with that. (laughs) I know. Obviously... (laughs) Lindsay, you, you're not married, so you don't know what we're talking about. I don't know what's like. Oh, no, I, I, have, I have led a lot of premarital counseling. <laughs> but it is, you know, and you just don't, I guess I didn't expect it, that that was going to be one of the like line item topics that 
we discussed in a, in a session was what that looks like, how that's going to be handled, those kind of things. But it makes sense when it comes to how deep-seated these things can be in our hearts and in our lives that when they shift and change, if we don't think about them and talk about them, then we could find ourselves in a situation where we're just confused and maybe even hurt or disappointed on something that we never discussed or talked about. So I was very appreciative of our folks walking us through some of that, but I didn't really see it coming, not in a bad way. I was just like, oh yeah, that makes all the sense in the world that you would need to have nice, upfront, open conversations around what your expectations are as far as family and traditions. Do you... Do you both remember the feeling of the first time when you were somewhere not with your family, um, like your nuclear family that you grew up with for a holiday and what it felt like when that holiday changed or you didn't do the same tradition? Oh, yeah, especially I think what I remember most is like when my older brother left and he wasn't there and then my my younger brother joined the Marines and so he was away and couldn't be there. And those those were like the really, for me, the gut-wrenching. It was more about sometimes being there in the tradition and then people not being there because of it, you know, just feels like it's just a hole that they're not there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sometimes that harder than me not being there because I'm experiencing mm -hmm. their own thing. But then when you're back at your house and your, your brothers aren't there, it's just like, ah, huh, this... This stinks, man. It's not the same. I think it's just fascinating how many feelings it it can. I mean, surprise, surprise. I'm going to talk about feelings, y'all. Um, but I'm amazed at how many feelings it stirs up in us um, when we aren't engaging in a tradition uh, that we are used to. Right after I finished graduate school, all of us in the social work field uh all kind of had to work in the trenches of our our first jobs um and so none of us could be with our families and we all had thanksgiving dinner together um and the best part is that uh my friend robin and her husband ed hosted like all of us kind of misfits and we were had all worked that day and came over and her husband ed is from england and we told him to carve the turkey and he's like i don't even do thanksgiving and we're like it's a turkey figure it out you've got this here's a bird and a knife welcome to america That's right. yeah. i agree i missed a lot of uh just nature of my work and try uh, holidays away, Fourth of July, Memorial Day, lots of, you know, those kinds of like family get-togethers. Emily's family is really big about getting together on Labor Day and Fourth of July and all those big sort of national holidays for us. And I missed a lot of them because I that would be in some other part of the world. And yeah, you know, it's 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 that regular gathering. I think so. Thinking about these traditions and sort of the reasons we do them. Now, Evan probably has some research about why we do these rituals, uh, these traditions, which I which I, I think are forms of rituals. They're sort of behaviors that mm -hmm. pra we practice repetitively that provide meaning and significance to our lives. But I think those that those touch points, like we need along the way, 
moments where we can come back to our families, come back mm -hmm. to something that's familiar, mm -hmm. something that's comfortable and reminds us that we're part of something bigger than just the present challenges or uncertainty that we face, but we're part of this family or this this community or this this experience. It's interesting because we keep gravitating back towards holidays because I think holidays happen every year. And they're so on they a calendar. Are, they're on a calendar. Right. So it is easy to put those habits and rituals tied to a date. Mm -hmm. um, but what this really is at the root of tradition is some form of ritual that we have built in. And what's fascinating in some of my uh, understanding of rituals over the years is that it has less to do with the actual action that you are doing in that moment and more what meaning you're ascribing to it. Um, yeah, I think for me, a lot of it is predictability. Hmm, yeah. Like we, there's not a lot of things in our lives that are always predictable. And so having these anchor moments or seasons or times where at least some of it is predictable and we can work around it, not just to gather, but kind of psychologically, it's it's nice mm -hmm. to know, okay, all this other stuff in my life might change, but I know that I'm going to find a can of that cranberry and this is what it's going to look like and this is what it's <laughs> going to look on the plate. <laughs> you know? Uh, and, so, and nobody eats it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I do too. Yeah, you're outnumbered, Michael. <laughs> we'll so. culture you. Says says a lot about your character. Well, I'd I'd like to know from a psychological perspective and kind of there's been some research on traditions. Lindsay, can you fill us in a little bit about some of the work that they've done and how that kind of manifests itself in your practice in the counseling world? Yeah, um, I think that there's probably a lot more research uh, recently about rituals rather than traditions. Um, I think we can use them pretty interchangeably. Um, as I mentioned before, we like familiar, we like predictable habits, we're creatures of habits. And so that's why we come back to rituals or traditions, and they embody meaning to us. Um, I, I started doing some research around traditions to see if any of the research was different. Um, and I came across a Psychology Today article that talked about tradition in such a great way, I wanted to share it. Um, it says that traditions fulfill uh, and help us achieve the four B's. Being, belonging, believing, and benevolence. And so the first one, being, that's about us appreciating ourselves, our strengths, feeling grounded in our identities, um, and just kind of uh, existing, our, our being. And then the second B is belonging. And we've talked lots about this. The comfort in knowing that we are connected and integrated with other people. 
Um, it makes us feel loved. Um, believing is this idea that we have these higher principles and values that lead our lives. Um, and for a lot of people, this these are religious beliefs. Um, I mean, for most of us, I would say that's uh, most of the people listening, that would probably be true. Um, but some sort of non-material principle or value that's guiding us. Um, and benevolence refers to this, uh, this extent when we try to uh, make the world around us a better place. And so traditions are about connecting with ourselves, connecting with others, um, recognizing our humanity and our interconnectedness um, and trying to uh, make people feel uh, not alone mm. and um, as though they are part of something greater and they have value. With the impact that you're talking about with traditions, I'm kind of thinking maybe I don't have enough traditions in my life. Maybe I should just make my life <laughs> one big string of traditions. <laughs> I think that I'm is a developed on the that, four Bs. <laughs> that's actually a, a regular conversation in the McCord House is about. I think uh, Emily has some really profound memories of some traditions as a child, and kind of wants us to cre create those for our kids. And th we've done some, like we go ornament shopping together when we put the tree up th that night, we'll go and pick out ornaments from a local place. And, that, you know, there's some things like that, but I think there's, there's this sort of, are we creating enough spaces for the kids to, to be who they are, to be part of our family and their community to, to, to experience kindness. And um, those, I think that's a good way to frame kind of the, the four B's is a great way to frame what a tradition really provides for, for people. And we want traditions to enrich our lives. We don't want them to be um, expectations or things that lock us down. Like everything has to happen this way. Um, I think that when we use them in a, as a positive, supportive ritual, they add to our lives of reminding us of that interconnectedness. Um, and it, and I love the predictability of traditions that so much of life is all over the place. And so this is something that can be predictable. So when does it become a, an action turn into a tradition? Is it when we do it twice? Like, it's like we need oh. two points to make a line. Is it once we get to the third time, then it's officially a tradition? What are the parameters? Because I love the idea of starting new traditions. But for me, I'm really great at starting things, not great at seeing things through or continuing things. So do I start 10 traditions knowing that only two will stick and the best ones will rise to the top? Or how do I do that? What does that look like for you, Michael, as you guys try and create new traditions? Well, it's funny because I wasn't here thinking, oh, you're asking that question and thinking about my comment about our looking for new traditions is that I think my favorite traditions are the ones that just emerged, hmm. you know, like you, like we, I mean, this is silly, but we, before, before COVID, 
we went to the same Mexican restaurant every Sunday after church. We got to know the the entire team there. We had our own waitress that we we just became really close to. Of course, all that changed because of COVID. And but it was like one of our favorite little emerged traditions that we loved because we felt connected to this community and we we never thought we would just because we ended up going to the same place um, every week because it was right by our house and we liked it. Those kinds of like emerging traditions that just happen are some of the ones I I love I love the most. Um, I think of Ellie when when she was young, we would go to a coffee shop and she would uh, we'd get coffee and she would put um, a sugar in it and then stir it and then blow on it three times and every week for like three <laughs> years we on Saturday we would she would make my coffee for me. Um, those are the really kind of fun. But I do think there's a place to actually intentionally create traditions uh, for the reasons that Lindsay laid out, the the, the sense of belonging and connection and um, being and benevolence. And I think th- those are a little bit more interesting so that they you engage everybody. I think that's the thing that we've encountered as, as like parents is just because we think it's a good idea doesn't mean it is a good idea. And so how do you how do you talk about creating space for kids to help you? come up with traditions that, that they'll remember for a lifetime and that they'll they'll have a place they can look back to and remember um you know who they were and who they are and and what they experienced together with us who they are who they were and how they experienced mm-hmm. things with mm-hmm. us is that what you said mm-hmm. it's an interesting kind of framework around it i love that phrase mm-hmm it's it, there's something about identity, your your rootedness in your current identity and where you came from. Mm. Um, oh, it just makes me think about some traditions that, again, I don't know if it really matters what you do, but it reminds me of the people that have come before me. Um, when I say the Lord's Prayer in ch- church. I think, and I I think I might've said this to y'all before, it makes me think about my grandparents and my great-grandparents and my great-great-grandparents and how many people have been saying the same thing for decades and for centuries that the Lord's Prayer reminds me who I am and my connectedness with God. But it also reminds me about my identity in a long stream of people that have loved God and poured into the faith community and my own faith formation for years before I was here. And that, to me, is just so beautiful to think about. Yeah, I think the the religious traditions that we've inherited are some of the most powerful for me and i know for um for my brothers too at least my particularly my younger brother we were talking about that uh recently about kind of his he he was in the military uh, as i mentioned earlier and he he can just remember being in in a battlefield situation and and in really precarious 
times and those words and those hymns that we sang over and over and that brought us back to a place to to root us in who we are um were really really meaningful to him and probably his most powerful memory all that is is an easter sunday that he spent in the desert in the middle east and in the middle of battle and and they took time to have a service and all that just kind of brought him back to to a sense of purpose and meaning even in, in a really dangerous situation um, wow i mean that's what i think of like so when it, we were talking i was thinking we talked about about grandparents um my grandmother um was the last grandparent to die and I, we we would i would go back to her and i can remember always going to her house uh, my grandparents' house down in Fitzgerald, Georgia, really South Georgia, and sitting on that couch uh, in their living room and talking to her, and I could, it's like I could become a child again. It was in in the really the good way. It's like the that I was completely loved and safe, and it was like you'd spend your whole life. I feel like some days uh, you just get more increasingly fragmented. You're you're all these things to all these different people, and you have all these responsibilities. And you don't necessarily ever feel whole and connected because you're just you're just you know. But these family moments, these rituals, these places you could come back to church on Sunday or or your your faith community that you you're part of, kind of re bring things back together. Is that is that remembering? And the sense that we're spread out, and then these traditions help remember us together, pull us back together as one cohesive person. And I just. You talk my grandparents. It just took me back to my, to my grandmother, and how she made me feel completely safe and completely who I was, even though the rest of the world didn't feel that way to me. She always made me feel that way. Mm -hmm. I like that. Really thinking deeply about what remembering is like. It's not just recall, but there are things that remember us they make us reminded of who we were and who we are and and where we're going to be in the role and place that traditions and predictability can have to help us anchor and center ourselves and really remember maybe not in like a lion king sense but maybe exactly in a lion king sense you know remember who you are <laughs> <laughs> if i were a young warthog yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness i'd I mean, clear the savannah after every meal yeah if you think about it they just kind of farted their way into remembering in that they scene. did like they just kind of they it's... go straight from like hey this is how we do it <laughs> to this like profound like cosmic experience about memory and being and purpose. <laughs> I, so I have a question. What do we do when tradition or ritual, and maybe it's like we have a hard time separating the letter of the tradition from the spirit of the tradition, and we have things in our lives that we need to let go of. Maybe there's traditions or things that are more imposed, and they don't really suit us anymore and it's not really a good fit and they can hold us back from new possibilities how are we supposed to interact with that and how do you have conversations around that when it's this collect 
tradition can be this collective experience. Mm. Yeah, because some traditions aren't good. Some some traditions that we're we partake in aren't aren't healthy for us. Maybe the maybe the family units aren't healthy for us to go back to. I think that's a always a vivid reminder during holiday seasons that not everyone is 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 given or is offered a a family that's that's good for them or safe for them. And so mm-hmm. so when those traditions that you've experienced, you realize are really formative were actually not healthy formative, but they were still formative nonetheless. Like how do you how do you pivot and then reclaim reclaim traditions under your terms? I think part of that comes back to I mean traditions and rituals that it's less about the actual action and more about what is driving that repeated action. Mm, And so if a ritual or tradition um, formed you and parts of it no longer serve you well, are there any parts of it or the original core meaning that do serve you well? Did it ever give you something positive or a any sort of feeling of belonging or support and can we ascribe it to some other ritual for it to bring the healthy positive part with it without maybe the memory of doing this exact one thing Mm. So, uh, my first ministry with college students, we we started off really small in this tiny little room, and we grew and we outgrew the space, and we had to move spaces. And there was uh, a major revolt from college students that we were not going to take this what they called the L couch. It was a sectional. It was a nasty, gross, disgusting sectional couch that somebody had donated, but. And I was just so confused. They were so angry that we weren't going to put that in a new worship space. And I was like, it's just gross. And it just, you have to sit on the floor when you sit in it. It's just terrible. And then you start to, I started to, you know, first I was just like, oh, they just want to, they want it for whatever, you know, like, oh, they just, they're just used to, it's comfortable. It's them. It's, it, you know, it's a memory. But then when you start to, started to ask, like, why are you so upset about this? And they would then talk about like the, the transformational spiritual experiences they'd had on that couch, you know, and, and it was hard to let go the thought of letting go of that piece of furniture. The reality though, was that spiritual experience wasn't about the couch. It was about the people that were around the couch and, and mm-hmm. the space that was in that room. Um, and, and about our creator who's in the midst of all of us. And, and the, that transformation happened. Um, but but I think that's an example of where you can sort of hold on to a tradition, um, not realizing that that it it really had not much to do with what what was really behind what you were experiencing. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you change change that story? And so we you know we 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 had a celebration of the couch, and then let we let it go. Oh, that's to, great. To, to, uh, consecrated to, the couch. We did. We did. We, <laughs> we that is that's what we did. We rich 
conceptualized it and we let go of the couch. We gave thanks for all the moments that had provided people of rest and laughter and spiritual, you know, renewal and, and let it go so that we could embrace some new chairs that might do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if we were going to have some language around how to start that conversation, right? We've talked about how to evaluate what it means to us and really what it could be helpful for going forward. But I think getting the conversation started and starting it on the right foot, if you have realized that a tradition in some aspects might not be a great fit for where we're headed, how would you have that conversation? What would, what phrases and language would you say uh, that would, you know, honor the tradition, but then be able to allow you to express kind of what's stirring in your heart and your soul in regards to it. How do you get started? You stumped us, Evan. Can't answer the question. I'm just, no, I mean, just... for me, I was just thinking that there's, is there a particular order to start in? And I don't know if there is. Um, you could come in and kind of any sort of entry point. Of what did this mean to you? Um, what does this mean to you? What, what, what is the challenging parts of this? Um, asking a lot of those unpacking questions to really name what's going on, because I think there is power in naming. And we can't modify anything, change it, pivot it, if we don't name it. And so however you can best get to the actual naming, whatever entry point works for you, maybe naming it is the first step. Yes, I, I think understanding or, or making sense of the feelings that you're feeling about, mm -hmm. because I think it's easy to, like, I don't want to have anything to do with Thanksgiving. I don't want to be anywhere around my family for Thanksgiving. If I could have that belief system, I could just create that without taking the moment to understand what is it exactly about the Thanksgiving experience that I've had that have that has made me want to revolt against being yeah. there or being present. You know, because it could there are lots of reasons, lots of past experiences. And I think especially when we're young and formative, um, you know, we have these experiences and and they hurt us. And we don't want to have anything to do with it. We just revolt. We never actually understand what really happened and why we're feeling that way. So I th think self-discovery is the first step. And then the second to me is vulnerability is just being mm -hmm. honest about it. You know, I don't, I, sometimes the thing about traditions, I think sometimes is that you do them and you just keep doing them to do them. And they don't really, and, and maybe a lot of people they don't They lose like their it. meaning. Yeah. No, they don't have any meaning more, but you're doing them because you've always done them and and maybe it's time to change it to something that's more meaningful for you and your family or your friends yeah i like that change it to something more more meaningful we have this conversation a lot around deconstruction especially faith and belief system deconstruction uh, and we use a phrase like deconstruction without reconstruction doesn't really leave us in a better place like the the reconstruction of something is good it, if we live our lives just tearing down and criticizing we are going to have a challenging time being a whole person or taking on new things or actually making progress or growing so i wonder if there there's an element of that in those conversations around tradition like this is what we're going for 
but this isn't this vehicle isn't helping us to arrive there so what would it look like to take the benefits and the spirit of what we're going for in this tradition or ritual and how do we take ownership of it and make it our own and make it new how do we how do we not just deconstruct but reconstruct Yeah, I think that's one of the things, you know, Evan, we face a lot in our practice is, is coming up churches that that need to make significant changes in the life of their church in order to be sustainable and letting go of some of those experiences and traditions in order to embrace new traditions is a real sticking point for the, the groups that we get to, that we get to work with. And whether that's, you know, organs or ministries or staff the number of staff I have, I have a lot of churches that are really hung up on how many staff they have as some metric of of success and uh, in this tradition we've always had three associate pastors and that's what we should have like so there's a number of things that we do as people that we just get you know we get attached to that really no longer provide us the kind of meaning sustenance that we need and because we're unable to let go of them we don't have any room to embrace new things and new traditions and new practices that might actually give us more life than than the ones we we started with. Well, and we need to acknowledge that there's grief involved with letting go. Um, that that it is sad, even if it was some wasn't something that was serving you well. Um, we still have this deep down grief in some capacity about things changing because again we are creatures of habit and we work best when things are predictable and so whether the change is something we are choosing or gets chosen for us there will still be some form of grief even if it's a nasty old ugly couch <laughs> You still need to have some sort of farewell to grieve uh, that the ugliness will not be present. Because my guess is, is that even if it was ugly, everybody might have made fun of how ugly it was and still didn't want to let it go. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I mean, I think tradition without understanding the value and the spirit of what it's trying to accomplish can very quickly become a millstone around the neck of the future. Mm. Yes. So if, if we're thinking and keeping progress in mind, we have to be cognizant to make space and room for those who are coming behind us to be able to shape and influence and impact what those are. And if we hold on to them too tightly, we actually lose the goal and the meaning of what it's to accomplish while we're doing the tradition. Because if, if, if the generations behind us don't see it and don't appreciate the value and it's viewed as a negative, mm -hmm. you lose the values and what's special about it at its core because we're unwilling to adjust its practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, when is tradition empowering and helpful to our identity and when does it become that millstone? I think what's encouraging is that we have all the we're empowered to be able to do that. Uh, it it mm -hmm. requires a, a change in mindset uh, and I think some humility uh, and probably more listening than speaking. Right. But 
holding on tightly to things that are no longer necessary or important uh, is, a, I think, a real challenge when it comes to intergenerational relationships and having the honest and authentic relationships to be able to have those conversations well and to take it from something that's imposed to collaborative, mm -hmm. uh, I think would is a real is a real challenge, but it's a great opportunity. Well, as we wrap up our conversation on traditions and somewhat on rituals, uh, I I think this has sparked in me really that I I'm kind of inspired to be a little more intentional in mm -hmm. how I think about and how I practice traditions and which parts of it are important to me and being able to communicate the the value in that but at the same time really understand it's not just something that we just do because we've done it like it, it's important to stay connected to the purpose and to allow others to speak into that purpose it's going to make me be mindful over the coming month or so of all of the holidays that we will encounter of um, which which traditions am I holding on to for certain reasons and which ones uh, can I grieve, let go, and which new ones can get formed that would help bring life to me, give me identity, and help me feel connected to one another. Um, I think thinking that, so I think it's easy for me to go through life and not necessarily see the meaning that people are experiencing behind the stuff that they do or the things that they do. I think, I think just by nature of my personality and how I operate, um, and I think slowing down, especially for the holidays to sort of capture what my children my spouse, my family is experiencing during each of these uh, traditions and moments that we get to share together. And I kind of just revel in that a little bit and be less concerned about the getting things done out of the attic and put out and put up and <laughs> all the busyness that comes with, with this holiday is really just to be with the kids and be with the family and experience it. Well, thanks, Lindsay and Michael, for your thoughts and your friendship and thanks listener for participating with us in this conversation around traditions. We hope and pray that uh, God will be moving in your lives and your family's lives as you step into this new season and, and that you can find some new value and meaning uh, in, in traditions and be able to really take an active role in helping them to accomplish what they really need to accomplish because we need to have them. We need that predictability and it's important yeah, and so thanks for taking the time to listen. Thanks to Justin Patton for producing this episode. Thanks, Justin. We really appreciate it. And we will see you on our next episode. Bye-bye, everybody. Lindsay and Michael don't want to say bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>